Looking forward to this conversation, I'd like to welcome uh, Simone Hodgkinson to the drive this afternoon. Simone is the owner of the British Chippy. Uh, it's been voted the best fish and chips place in the city of Calgary. Simone, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me here today. And Simone, I have to ask you off the top, uh, your reaction to the passing of Queen Elizabeth. Sad. Yeah. Try not to be emotional. Yeah. But um, sad. It's just the end of of something very magnificent. It's an end of an era. And I think we all thought that the Queen was invincible. <laughs> it's true. You, know, it, you really... I, I'm not, I'm shocked, and then I'm shocked that I'm shocked because, <laughs> you know, of course, at 96, this day, unfortunately, is going to come, but, you know, we just, we just thought she'd last forever. She'd yeah. be invincible. So. It's true. For so many generations uh, of people, yeah. she has been the queen. You just said the queen. Everyone knows exactly who you're talking about, you know? Well, and there'll be no other monarch, not in my lifetime, that you know, celebrate 70 years of service. Yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, that's a huge accomplishment and something so solid in so many people's lives for so long. Simone, have, have... Shock. Oh, yeah, shock. Uh, Simone, have you had many people coming in uh, to, to the chippy there to, to kind of express their, their thoughts about the passing? Um. You know, we've had we've had different customers definitely um, today at lunch, and I'm sure it will be a different experience because you know fish and chips on Friday is yeah. the great British tradition. But even at lunch today, um, we've served new customers that have said they just wanted to do something British out of respect to the Queen, and so those are a couple of comments that we've had today. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's funny you mentioned that, um, uh, Simone, because uh, I, I walked my, my seven-year-old to school this morning and on four cars, and I only walk about five blocks, on four cars, I saw Union Jacks flying from, you know, the antennas or from a little flagpole, a makeshift flagpole on the vehicles. Everyone is, is you know, expressing their own emotions about this, right? That's wonderful. Yeah. And, and and so, you know, it is something to celebrate. As sad as we are, we do have to celebrate that 70-year service, that commitment, that that role model, you know, that steadfast service and that commitment to service is just beyond anything, you know, we have known in a very long time. Yeah. Yeah, so it, you, you're bracing for a busy supper crowd tonight. Uh, you know, as you said, the tradition of fish and chips on on a Friday evening. Um, do you do you have one memory that sticks out for you, Simone, regarding Queen Elizabeth? Well, I do because my mum met her. Really? And um, you know, my mum was my mum passed when I was a young girl, and um, you know, my mum's line of work and the queen visited the place that she was at and so my mum met the queen and of course that was you know a memory that will always stay with us all yeah what did your mum say about the queen like did, did she have some special words for her or anything like that you know my mum being a very typical northern british lass um, my mum said that the queen was normal oh she said she was very, very 
very kind and normal and made you feel very relaxed. And of course, nobody's relaxed when they're meeting the Queen, but <laughs> my mum said that, you know, she was just such a lovely lady. Th- that normalcy um, that you yeah. that your mum was talking about, Simone, uh, about five minutes before my, like Rob Breckenridge is the host before me, and at the end of his show, uh, he had, you know, ex-British Prime Minister Boris Johnson with comments, and he talked about that. Oh. And his example was the queen driving her own vehicle with no guards at all at like a very fast speed over the Scottish landscape. And she was just a normal person, you know? Yeah, that was her freedom. Yeah. yeah. Those yeah. Highland Hills. Yeah, no kidding, right? No kidding. Well, Simone, uh, you know, I know you have a lot of prep to do for, for your supper rush that's going to be coming this evening. I, I hope you, uh, you you get to hear some some fun some fun stories about Her Majesty, you know? Yes, yeah, and, you know, not to... It seems wrong, you know, to think that we're busy tonight for that. Um, it, it just seems wrong, you know, and people keep asking me, are you, do, are you going to do anything? And, you know, we're just going to get through our day and, and raise a glass. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Good for you. Why not, Thank right? You. Why not? Thank you so much for your time this afternoon, Simone. I appreciate this conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a great Bye-bye. weekend. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, that's Simone Hodgkinson, uh, the owner of the British Chippy. Um, there's two locations, actually. Uh, there's one in the city of Calgary, one in Okotoks. The British Chippy, by the way, voted in the city of Calgary. The best fish and chips. The best fish and chips. TheBritishChippy.com is the website. If, you, uh, if you're looking for the location, by the way, uh, the Calgary location, the British Chippy, is uh, 2335 162 Avenue Southwest. Why not go have some fish and chips? Some fee and chi, as they say in Newfoundland. I'm from Newfoundland. I was born in St. John's. That's the closest I've ever become to, the, to England. But, uh, yeah, why not have some fee and cheese, some fish and chips on a Friday night? I, I, I was being honest there. I did see four Union Jack flags flying from vehicles, Calgary vehicles, this afternoon. Uh, it seemed like a lot of people have replaced their Calgary Stampeders or Calgary Flames flags, uh, or at least some, uh, with the Union Jack, which is fantastic. Should there be rent control in buildings in Calgary? Well, there's a group in our city that says, yeah, we need that in place in our city to protect people. Sam Green joining me this afternoon to kind of dig into the nuts and bolts of a campaign that has been launched to try and get rent controls in place here in our city. Sam is the secretary of the East End Acorn Calgary chapter. Sam, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you for having me, Ted. I guess off the top, Sam, if you don't mind, uh, Acorn. Acorn is the group that's launching this uh, this rent control campaign. What exactly is Acorn, Sam? So Acorn stands for the Association of Community Organizations for Reform Now. Essentially what we are is we're a union for low to moderate income people. Uh, we're just your neighbors, we're your co-workers, your friends. Um, we're made up of... Young families, single parents, immigrants, students, seniors, working people, just anyone who feels like they're not being given a fair shake in Alberta. I see. Okay. Okay. And, and this and this rent control campaign, uh, I understand it's underway right now. And, and I guess what exactly is, is the, the premise behind launching the campaign? 
So with the current situation, I mean, it's a global thing, but it's very evident here in Calgary, especially lower moderate income people are struggling at the minute. Uh, along with a huge inflation crisis, the rents are rising faster than anyone can keep up with. Uh, Alberta, for instance, has, I think it's uh, 1900 now, just over 1900 for a two-bedroom apartment. Wow. Which is 30% more than Edmonton. Yeah. And that's a 20%, uh, 27% increase, do apologize, over last year. And at that rate, how is anyone going to be able to keep a roof over their heads? Yeah, that's a big that's a big jump. That's a big increase for sure, for sure. And and the campaign are there are there different kind of um, things that you'd like to see in place, or is it just kind of a sweeping rent control that you want? So the specific the very first point that we would like to see uh, instituted is approximately a two percent rent cap. So as of right now, Alberta has no limit on how much a landlord can increase your rent by. Um, it's limited to once a year, but at the, between that, it's, there's not really a defined amount that is defined as reasonable. Yeah. So a 2% increase, we hope, uh, especially whilst inflation is oscillating between 7 and 8%, will allow people just time to catch up with everything else, make sure they're not stressing about rent uh, jumping up 10, 15, 20%, even 50 or 100% over it, what, what it was on their previous uh, lease, which is something that does happen, unfortunately. Yeah. And so the the, the 2% rent increase per year, uh, you know, that type of, um, I, I guess, capping the amount of increase at 2%, would that be kind of starting at whatever the rents are right now type thing? So, yeah, exactly. We hope that it would be whatever it is now. We're not asking for a reduction in rent. What we're hoping for is just a limit on the increase in rent that is permissible by law. I see. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and that 2% figure, is that um, like, where did, how did you come up with 2%? Was that like, because that's, you know, like close to inflation or? So, 2%, um, there is a relation to inflation. Uh, previously, you know, relation, uh, inflation tends to be around two to four percent. Yeah. Obviously, it's a lot more at the minute, but it tends to be around two to four percent. Um, and the provinces in Canada that have instituted rent control have uh, set theirs between two and three point five percent. I see. Okay. Okay. Are are there different places in the country that do have rent controls? I, I'm just curious. Absolutely, yes. So uh, in Nova Scotia, Acorn's campaign that was successful in instituting a temporary rent cap of, I believe, 2.5%. Yeah. Um, and that will expire at the end of 2023. I see. Um, yeah. British Columbia also has a rent cap uh, at 2% this year. They change theirs year by year. Um, so there is some flexibility there depending on the current uh, economic situation. Yeah. But, yeah, there's plenty of places that are uh, operating with rent control, even Ontario, which is, you know, the yeah. uh, central province for a lot of people, yeah, uh, has rent control. And, and the, the the 2% that you're asking for here um, in, in the city of Calgary, is that, uh, would that be like a temporary thing, similar to Nova Scotia, or...? So we do hope that it would become permanent. Yeah. Uh, 
whether it is always 2%, we can't uh, you know, predict how the economy is going to be, say, five, ten years down the line. Of course. Whether it would yeah. be reasonable to be capped permanently at 2%. But to make sure that you know, we don't have to jump through all the hoops of getting some kind of rent control in place, we do hope that there will always be a level of rent control uh, legislated in Alberta. Yeah, I, I should remind everyone, I'm chatting with Sam Green this afternoon on The Drive. Sam is the secretary of the East End ACORN Calgary chapter. ACORN is an acronym, stands for the Association of Community Organizations for Reform Now. I'm chatting with Sam about a campaign that ACORN has launched in our city uh, to get a rent uh, rent controls in place, specifically a 2% rent cap, 2% increase uh, annually on the amount uh, that people are charging for rent in the city. And Sam, I also understand that a rental registry is part of this campaign. How exactly does that work? Yeah, absolutely. So a rental registry, uh, given the vagaries in some of the uh, components of the Residential Tenancies Act, we feel there's not enough transparency in the relationship between uh, landlords and tenants. So we'd like to see some sort of oversight there where we are able to track which areas are, you know, feature a higher proportion of renters uh, and what the rents look like in those areas, how often the rents are going up, by how much. And then by instituting this and having it available, renters can make more informed choices, Ah. landlords can make more informed choices, and also uh, the government of Alberta or the individual city can make more informed choices about their housing policy in the future. Yeah, yeah, like a big database of of, of information there, right? So you can compare and look, and maybe you want to move to Red Deer, not Calgary, you know, all that stuff, right? 100%. Yeah, okay, okay. And and so what exactly, Sam, um, are you doing uh, to try and, you know, get the attention of, uh, you know, politicians and legislators and and the like? Well, Acorn, we're, you know, we're not a government organization we're not a well-funded non-profit we're just people in communities who want to start looking out for each other so the main thing we do is just knock on people's doors speak to them about these issues get them on the side and bring them out to uh, public events rallies we'll hold fundraisers whatever's going to get the community out and together and visible is what we'll be doing We will be speaking to politicians further down the line. And later next month, we'll have our first big rally around rent control in Alberta. Okay. Sam, thank you so much for your time this afternoon and explaining the campaign to me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ted. Hope you have a good one. That's Sam Green, Secretary of the East and ACORN Calgary Chapter. And ACORN uh, is an acronym, the Association of Community Organizations for Reform Now. Arguing for... Rent control. They've launched a campaign. They're going uh, kind of grassroots style. They're going to talk to politicians in about a month, he said, but they're going grassroots right now, trying to gain support for rent control, specifically a 2% cap on the amount landlords can raise their rent year over year. The counterpoint 
to rent control. About 30 minutes ago, I was chatting with Sam Green, the secretary of the East End Acorn Calgary chapter. Sam, uh, Acorn, by the way, stands for the Association of Community Organizations for Reform Now. Uh, Sam was arguing for rent control in the city of Calgary, specifically a 2% cap on the amount that landlords could raise rent in Calgary uh, every year. Now, not everyone agrees with rent control. If you look at the pure economics, it does not make sense. Now, to provide the uh, counterpoint, the uh, argument against rent control, uh, I'd like to welcome uh, Dr. Anupam Das to the drive. Dr. Anupam Das is a professor of economics out of Mount Royal University here in the city of Calgary. Dr. Das, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. And I'm glad you're here as well. So so the argument uh, against rent control, um, it actually goes back to like economics 101 classes, right? If I'm remembering correctly. That's right. This is one of the issues that we actually teach in our uh, principles of uh, microeconomics class. Yeah. Okay. And so, so what's the nuts and bolts then uh, against the, uh, you know, against rent control? Why is it not a good thing? Right. So uh, what I'm going to share now is is a really the economics perspective of rent control. So yes. economists see rent control as a price ceiling, which basically means that when uh, we we have controlled rent, that rent is uh, lower than what it should be at the equilibrium point. So basically, it means that there is a mismatch between demand and supply when rent control is in place. Now, it also means that uh, when rent control is in place, there is uh, a possibility of excess uh, demand, or in other words, lower supply. And, and that's, that's not an equilibrium outcome. So, so rent control basically distorts the market outcome. Distorts the market outcome. Okay, gotcha. Um, do, do even temporary rent controls, like if you just have one in place for a year, uh, you know, just to kind of help people out for a little bit for 12 months or so, um, does it also do a, distort- a distortive thing? That's an excellent question. So any sort of rent control will actually distort the market. However, the short, short-term impact of rent control is not actually as bad as a long-term impact. So what happens is in the short term, uh, both renters as well as owners and developers are less sensitive to these you know, changes in this market outcome. Yeah. Uh, that's because in the short term, we can't really make a decision of building more houses or lowering you know, rental properties and so on and so forth. So there is still some uh, excess demand in the short run, but it's not as much as what it would be in the long run. Now, in the long run, however, the developers may simply decide that if the rent is low, then they will not develop as many properties, right? So uh, fewer fewer and fewer rental properties will be available. Uh, So yes, there is a distinction between the short-term outcome and long-term outcome, and the short-term outcome the way we see it is not as bad as the long-term outcome. Okay. Say we do get a rent control, uh, you know, for uh, say you get 2%, uh, you know, you can only raise rent annually 2%, um, you know, until the end of time. So a long, long-term type of outlook on this. 
Could it lead to fewer and fewer actual units being available? Because, you know, the landlords, they're obviously there to make money, right? That's right. It's it's true that in the long run, at least theoretically, it's possible that there there will be fewer and fewer houses available. And that's because in the long run, both the developers and owners, they are more sensitive to this this sort of market uh, distortion, whereas uh, it's not quite the case in the short run. Yeah, so I guess it's uh, you have to be careful what you're wishing for, if I understand you correctly, doctor. That, yeah, to a certain extent, that's true. But at the same time, I mean, when when rent goes up really, really high, we also need to understand why it's happening, right? I mean, uh, we we see an increase in price of a product when the quality is improving, right? So these yeah. are some of the questions we also need to ask, that is the quality is also increasing at the same time. It is just demand and supply. And then if if it's just an outcome of demand and supply, then what does that really mean if we have a rent control and, and how does it impact the renters or the number of houses, both in the short run and long run? Yeah. So, so I'm just looking at the city of Calgary, for example, here. Year over year, on average, I think rents have gone up by 20, 30 percent. Um, that's obviously a reflection of the current market condition. But if you are, are you arguing, doctor, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but are, are you saying that you should just let the market bear what the market will bear? Meaning that the 20, 30 percent hike, you know, if renters all of a sudden stop renting the units, then the landlords will have to you know, bring the price down, right? Yeah, see, this is, yeah, I think this this is an important question, right? We need to understand what the priorities are right now. Yeah. Uh, as much as, yes, the demand and supply mismatch is increasing the price, we also need to simultaneously see that, you know, people are struggling when the rent is that high, right? So this is the, uh, this is the fine balance that we have to uh, maintain while uh, making a policy prescription. Yeah, there's always a delicate balance, right? It always it is, is. It <laughs> especially from an economist perspective. Uh, so, okay, thank you, doctor. I appreciate you giving us the counterpoint on this issue. Always good to get a, a, an economics perspective on a, a financial policy like this, a possible policy like this. Thank you, doctor. I appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. Have a good afternoon. Uh, you as well. That's Dr. Anupam Das, professor of economics out of Mount Royal University. Bunch of people weighing in on this uh, via the CHQR text line, 403-974-8255. One person texting saying, uh, Ted, read the rent controls. I get the desire for rent controls, but isn't that what generally causes renters to sell their properties? If the landlord's expenses are going up 10% and they can only raise rent by 2%, why would they keep renting it? And another people texting in saying, you know, I feel for the renters, I really do, but we can't put a cap on the Bank of Canada to keep our mortgage rates down. And and the uh, impact on what landlords is going to do, uh, there's a good example of this uh, out of San Francisco in California. Uh, they changed their rent control policy in 1995. Before 1995, all small multifamily buildings were exempt from rent control. Uh, but since 95, only buildings built after 1980 are exempt. That's how they tried to kind of make sure it was going to be as fair as possible. Um, like, how did this increase in rent control affect renters in San Francisco? Well, according to, the, to uh, Bloomberg, uh, people subject to the new policy, became less likely to move because uh, they were getting the benefit of the rent control. 
right? About 10% less likely. But not all renters benefited equally. The new policy created a powerful incentive for landlords to either convert their rental units into condos or to knock down their buildings, to demolish their old buildings and to build new ones. And either course of action there forced the existing tenants, especially younger renters, to move. So it's interesting how, uh, you know, the, the, the desires to help, but it does more harm than good. It's interesting. There's a delicate balance, right? I mean, that's the example of San Francisco. We have the short-term example that uh, was brought up uh, during the 330 conversation, saying they're doing it right now in Nova Scotia with a temporary, you know, rental cap on, on how much landlords can raise rent. Uh, I, I believe it's one year or two. So it's interesting. It's always an interesting conversation. Uh, thank you to uh, Dr. Haas for taking part in that today. And also a big thank you to, uh, to Sam, who was uh, representing ACORN, that organization in the city of Calgary. Sam Green, uh, ACORN's a community organization. Uh, they call themselves an Association of Community Organizations for Reform Now.